Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Yep, here we are again. Fancy that. It's the 10th of January, 2018. And uh, we're going to spend about an hour uh, tearing out our hair and... uh, I don't know. There's a plethora. I always love that word. There's a plethora. That's the opposite of dearth. I like that word, too. There's a plethora of news today. But, of course, that's generally uh, true uh, these days. So, I got to start with something that's uh, somewhat local and that what set me off is uh, an editorial in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, Gagzette, I'm going to say today. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Lots of times there are editorials in this so-called liberal (laughs) newspaper. (laughs) I said so-called and uh, let it be noted and underscored. There have been times, like their refusal to endorse either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, their endorsement of, who did they endorse? Oh, Toomey? Dear God in heaven. And this is the liberal newspaper. It's bullshit because it's, unfortunately, their publisher is a right-wing nutcase and where the members of the Block family that preceded his tenure uh, were not right-wing nutcases, but also didn't meddle in the paper as much as this bow-tie jerk. So, can you tell I really like him? Never met the guy. Don't ever want to. And if I'm showing him no respect, that is my intent. And if you haven't seen the editorial, here is the headline, Law of the Land, it says. Subheading, Sessions is right to enforce federal marijuana law. You know, a lot of Republicans think Sessions is out of his mind with this. But the liberal Pittsburgh Post-Gazette says damn straight, Jefferson Beauregard. Our thoughts exactly. And listen, I will read you just one paragraph of this Beyond Belief editorial. While there may be legitimate uses of marijuana, did you get that? While there may be legitimate uses of marijuana for medical reasons, there is dissonance between the nation's headlong rush toward recreational pot and the raging opioid epidemic. What? What? There is a conflation in the 
mind of whatever numbskull wrote this piece of drivel between opioids and marijuana? You are kidding me. Quote, It is difficult to see the sense in legalizing recreational use of the drug in the many parts of the country already devastated by opioids, especially when marijuana could become another link in the chain of abuse. Right before I got out of my car and came into this building this morning, I happened to read an email from a friend. And in it, the friend noted that the governor has now declared an emergency, health emergency, because of the opioid crisis in the state. And my friend said, he told me that his son smokes pot and uses opioids. And he says every night he sleeps with one eye open waiting for a phone call. And he is not not sleeping at night because his son uses pot. He is not sleeping because his son uses opioids which he fears could kill him. If all his son did was smoke pot, he'd sleep well. That's somebody living this. And he will tell you in a minute, there is no conflation between the two. And for this idiotic piece of drivel, do they still call themselves one of America's great newspapers? Is that still up on the, uh, uh, above their masthead? Because this is a, a rag. A rag. And I pity all the wonderful journalists and columnists and photographers and others who work for this nitwit. John Robinson Blockhead. Because his fingerprints are all over this piece of crap. I pity. Let's see who's on their editorial board. Do I have it here? No. John Allison is the editorial page editor. John Allison, did you write this? I doubt it. I think Tony Norman is on. Tony Norman, did you write this? I doubt it. Joe Smido, who I shared pirate tickets with, is on. Did you write this, Joe? 
Somebody wrote this piece of shit. I doubt there are many newspapers in this country that have editorialized in a similar fashion. I'm sorry. I feel for you. I really feel for the people, the good, talented people who work there and have to kowtow to this horse's ass. Uh, I'm being reminded. Thank you. Uh, that Blockhead found himself on Trump's private jet uh, during the presidential campaign. And uh, this was in Toledo. Yeah, he was hanging out with the Donald getting his picture taken with the Donald. And here's what he said in 39 years, Blockhead, I'm the publisher. In 39 years of full-time journalism, I've met many interesting people. This one was more than memorable. More than memorable. Wow. Well, so, the liberal newspaper in Pittsburgh is owned and, uh, and used by a Trump voter, a Trump lover, and that's how you get editorials like this piece of crap uh, today. I, I'm sorry. I just I happened to read yesterday a piece that Cyril Wecht, the famous, illustrious forensic pathologist, uh, wrote about marijuana. And wow, is it amazing. He, in fact, will be a major speaker at a conference being held here, I believe in the spring, which is a global medical marijuana conference. And Cyril will be talking about it talking about in all the years of his doing autopsies, having to decide manner of death. Never once did he put on a death certificate marijuana. Never once. Opioids? Oh, yeah. Because they kill. Alcohol? Oh, yeah, it kills. Prescription drugs? Oh, yeah, they kill. Marijuana? Never. 
nor does he say is he aware of any forensic pathologist anywhere putting down marijuana as a cause of death. In the article, he points out how the United States public was brainwashed about marijuana. And, well, I'm not, I, I won't, I, I, I'm, that's another show, another day. He also posits in the piece, and I didn't have a chance to look it up. Maybe, Stephen, you could do that now. He suggests in the piece that Senator Joe McCarthy was a heroin addict. I've never heard that. Tell me. Um, I was thinking of having Cyril on to talk about this, and I, I just I don't know. I don't think Cyril likes me very much, and I don't know if we want to. He never forgave me for not supporting him in his bid for county executive. Do you remember that? He ran for county executive against Jim Roddy and lost. And um, he never forgave me. He's a proud man. And an extraordinary man in many ways. And a great character. Okay, where are we? Sorry. I'm sorry. I had no idea that was going to turn into that much of a rant. That's how much it upset me. It really did. Yeah, okay. The other thing I was blown away by, wow, uh, were these... The video of those mudslides in California. Did you see any of that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. 13 known dead thus far, but they figure there'll be more. That's more than the fire that ravaged the hillside that caused the mudslide. Claimed. There was a quote I read somewhere from a woman who lives there who says, I'm getting out. i got to get out. I can't take it anymore. She says, we have four seasons here. Earthquake, drought, wildfire, mudslide. And that is, they're all related. The drought is related, of course, to the fire which is then related to the mudslides. And if one don't kill you, the other one very well might. Okay. Uh, speaking of weather, did you see uh, they had 14 inches of snow in the Sahara Desert? Now, and there's a picture I'm looking at of these, you know, extraordinary sand dunes of the Sahara capped with snow. 
it's it's hard to process. Um, now the Sahara, which by the way is larger in area than the United States of America. I mean, we're talking about a lot of land and acreage there that is uninhabited and uninhabitable with extremes of temperature. You roast in the day, you freeze at night. But snowfall is unusual. Not because the temperatures don't get low enough for snow, but because, think about it, there's not humidity in the desert. To create snow, you need cold and you need water. <laughs> you need humidity. And they're saying that you can't say this is the first time, this is the second time, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, because you're talking about such a huge expanse in which there are no weather monitoring systems because nobody is there. And so it's conceivable that it snows in the Sahara quite often. But it is improbable because of the lack of humidity. One guy who was looking at it, who grew up in the area, he said it's unbelievable it's magical when you walk in the dunes you feel like you're on Mars it would seem I'm sure otherworldly so there it is 15 inches of snow uh, in a region of the Sierra that is in uh, Algeria Another, well, it's not weather, but it's a disaster. Uh, the loathsome, sadistic, racist Sheriff Joe Arpaio has thrown his cowboy hat into the ring to run on the Republican ticket for the Senate of the United States from the state of Arizona. This would be the seat that Senator Jeff Flake is walking away from. Arpaio, who should be in jail, but was pardoned by Donald Trump, uh, is 85 years old, is as mean a son of a bitch as you'd ever want to encounter, is a unadulterated racist terrorist who spent his time as sheriff literally terrorizing humiliating denying the civil liberties of anyone with brown skin who came into his purview And for that, of course, Republicans love him. I'm 
I'm behind him. I so want this guy to prevail in the Republican primary, assuming that they ha- he has other people who he's running against to be the Republican nominee. I am so praying that Arpaio wins that primary. Because he will go down in flames in a general election. He will so motivate Democratic voters, Hispanic voters, black voters, even white people with tan voters, to get to the polls and vote for the Democrat. Who is, by the way, a woman who is a, I guess, I think a three-term congresswoman from Arizona. So let us hope. Let us hope the old despicable creature, Arpaio, prevails in his desires to carry the Republican mantle in this office for this office it'll be interesting to see if he has primary uh, uh, I think he does I'm sure someone will come in to try to keep him from ensuring the seat goes to the Democrats that um, I wonder if Trump will make a an endorsement in this since he loves Sheriff Joe thinks of him as a fine, fine human being. Donna says, it is discouraging to hear you constantly talk about the lack of leadership in the Democratic Party. Ten months or so before Obama was nominated, you would not have identified him as the leader of the party. Ten months before he was nominated. That is correct. Keep an eye on Elizabeth Warren, Ted Lieu, Ruben Gallego, Kristen Gillibrand, and Gavin Newsom. All right, Donna. I mean, I'm fully aware of all of them. I'm just telling you that ain't none of them Barack Obama in terms of charisma. I don't know. I'm sorry it is discouraging to hear me talk about the lack of leadership, but the fact is there is a lack of leadership. At a time when (laughs) we're desperate for it. There was a lack of leadership in the Democratic Party when Hillary Clinton ran for president. Because if there was strong leadership in the party, how does a party lose to Donald effing Trump and not look at itself? How does a party lose to this nincompoop narcissistic lunatic 
con man, vulgarian, how does a party lose if it doesn't have some serious problems? Hmm? The problems predate. I'll even I'll t- I'll say Barack Obama had something to do with the lack of leadership. Because the job of a president is an impossible job. There are a million hats a president wears. Head of state, head of his party. He's the queen. <laughs> he has to do all the ribbon-cutting bullshit, the photo-op bullshit. He has to be the major foreign. He's the head of the military, for God's sakes. He's supposed to be the mourner-in-chief, right? The, 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 the charismatic leader that holds a country together. Now, it is rare for any one being to encompass all of those abilities and talent, and even if they did, to have time to exercise them. But Barack Obama, for all his wondrous qualities, did not like the part of the job that was leader of the party. And by all accounts, his choice of Debbie Wasserman Schultz to lead the party during his tenure was a disaster. I don't pretend to know. I just read and read and read and read. A disaster. The Democratic Party is in big, 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 big trouble. If it was a party that had its act together, Donald Trump would not be the President of the United States. And things have not improved in that regard since Trump's ascension. If all the Democrats have actually going for them right now is Donald Trump's the president, that ain't enough. We thought it was. Stupid us. If that election didn't wake us all up and get us out of our comfort zones and bubbles. We think we're so friggin' smart. We look down our noses at all those people who put Trump in office. They cleaned our clock. Who's so smart? I remember thinking they were living in some kind of a crazy universe. Look at those idiots. We were the ones living in Crazyville. We were the ones who hadn't really looked out and seen the whole picture. We were the ones, every bit as much, in a bubble of our own making. I'm sorry, but uh, no. I'm not a proud Democrat. Let's put it that way. I'm a shame-faced Democrat, as I think all Democrats should be. And I am not suggesting that there are not good people in the party. 
But if you think Elizabeth Warren is the answer, you're nuts. Democrats got to wake up. We can't have another. Elizabeth Warren is what? From Massachusetts. One. How many times have we done that lately? Carrie. Dukakis. I'm sorry. No. It doesn't play in a national election. An academic. No. No. Pointy-headed, Eastern, academic, liberal. No. And it ain't Oprah either. Okay? Okay. Um, Stephen says that he can't find anything that's super trustworthy about Senator McCarthy being a heroin addict. For, well, for, for Cyril to say it with just such, he just offhandedly said it which I found stunning, but whatever. It, you, you did find one. That McCarthy may have been prescribed morphine to help him deal with his alcoholism. And the dope he got was provided by the guy who made marijuana the big bugaboo it is. A jerk named Harry Anslinger. Anslinger is who Cyril fingers as the reason Americans are so messed up about pot. Harry Anslinger, a good Pennsylvania boy who married a melon girl and then became, for 30-some years, the guy who made marijuana worse than heroin. So, Anslinger had a memoir in which he describes providing a U.S. senator with morphine in the early 1960s. What? In the 50s. In the 50s. 50s, right, right, in the 50s. Uh, and then Anslinger says the prominent senator was addicted to morphine. Well, this is who it is then. When confronted by Anslinger, the politician refused to stop, even daring Anslinger to reveal the addiction, saying it would cause irreparable harm to the free world. Sounds like McCarthy. And so Anslinger said, all right, all right, all right. I'll just get you a steady supply of heroin from a Washington, D.C. pharmacy. Well, it was morphine, heroin. A lot of people said it was McCarthy. Anslinger never said it was. Then in the 1970s, both the Washington Post and UPI reported that the senator was Joe McCarthy. Okay, there you go. I'm sorry. I think Washington Post is a reliable. Nothing recent. Oh, you're saying nothing? Who cares if it's recent? That's settled. Uh, yeah. McCarthy's uh, opioid addiction became public only after Anslinger's death. Okay. 
agents who worked under Anslinger claim that uh, Senator Joe McCarthy was addicted to morphine and regularly obtained his narcotics through a druggist near the White House authorized by Anslinger to fill the prescription. Well, Roger writes, I wanted Trump to win the primary for the same reason you want Arpaio to win. I don't have that much faith in voters anymore. <laughs> Pedophile Roy Moore got almost half the votes in Alabama because he has an R in front of his name and say maybe Arizona people are a little better than Alabama. I understand your concern there, Roger. Okay. Uh, okay, well, so it's okay if we knock him out. In the, I just want the Democrat to get the seat and it'd be easier to beat Arpaio without a doubt. Without a doubt. By the way, is anyone ever going to address the Electoral College? We're fucked with that. I mean, because the big, the big square states that, you know, have more cattle than people, those states will never go for getting rid of the Electoral College, and there's too many of them. There's no way to do it. I don't see how any... It'd have to be a constitutional amendment... And I don't see how that would ever pass. You'd have to pass through state state legislatures. How's that going to pass? It's got to pass. No, not going to not going to happen. So what happens to happen? I think Democrats have to be force marched into red states and told to live there. <laughs> That's what we got to do. See, the reality is, is Democrats congregate in urban areas. So if you have these rural states, there are never enough Democrats. We need Democratic patriots by the thousands to move to red states. I guess. Henry says, polls show Arpaio is in a statistical tie with Martha McSally. So she's who he's running against in the primary. Arpaio may never get to November. Yeah. Well, as for Democratic leadership, if it's real, it sure isn't being covered in the media. I haven't heard a peep from Tom Perez. The Democratic strategy appears to be sit back and watch the Republicans implode. I agree. That is what it is. And that's not a strategy! Now, Part of why you don't hear from Tom Perez is the media, right? They're focused, you know, like lasers on, of course, the sexier stuff. And so it is, but it's always difficult for a party out of power tugging at the hem of the media. Hey, here's what we have to say about that. They don't have any power. You got to start playing rough, and Democrats don't. When Feinstein released the uh, the Steele dossier stuff uh, transcript yesterday, I thought, well, why haven't you done that? Like, what what is this? You mean you could have done that? I didn't know she could do that by herself. I mean, by doing it, she's saying to the Republicans on the committee, "Fuck you." 
Well, why didn't she do it two months ago? And why don't other Democrats on other committees start doing this? They sit there and play by the rules all the time when nobody on the Republican side ever does. I am giving myself such a headache. Okay. Boy, Steve Bannon, man, if you backed him as a, like on, in a horse race, you were thinking, well, this guy, I thought he was single-handedly going to take the entire country down and poof. Man. Boy. I'll tell you what, the Wolf Book, the Wolf Book took him down. So no matter what you think of the journalist and whether or not he's a real journalist who wrote that book, gee whiz. Although with somebody like Bannon, never count him out, but on the other hand, it doesn't look like he's got any platform left anymore. The Republicans don't want anything to do with him. Uh, Breitbart doesn't want anything to do with him. That means the alt-right's going to pull away. He's, just, he's, he's, he's done. Wow. Okay, so this little photo op bullshit that the president pulled yesterday by having, you know, the Democrats there and they're talking about, and it was supposed to show about immigration, he was supposed to show how um, totally, what a stable genius he is. Again, the media, I think it was Dana Bash and uh, CNN talking right afterwards about how, well, now this was, this is a great day for the president or whatever, he was in control, he listened, he didn't lose it, he this, that, and the other thing, and then you look closer. Bullshit. He managed to control himself, but what became clear to anybody who was listening to what was being said is he doesn't have a friggin' clue what he thinks about immigration. So that he readily agreed with Feinstein when she said, can we just do a clean DACA bill? Yeah, he said, that's exactly what I want to do. When all the Republicans like immediately like freaked when he said that, because that is not what they want, and that is not what Trump wants. But he doesn't know what a clean bill means. He was doing what he always does in these situations, just trying to please whoever he's sitting across from and, you know, stabbing him in the back later. It showed a guy as clueless as, and it, the body language, I mean, you don't have to be a body language expert, but here again, his posture in these meetings is always the same. I'm looking at a picture of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people sitting on his side of the table. And all of the people at the table are like leaning in, because that's what you do when you're leaning in. Their hands are apart. They're on the table or they're, they're like, you know, this. They are, they are open and listening. Here is Trump. He, he is in in these meetings in a defensive crouch, even when he's... And that defensive crouch, I guess, terror, terrorizes the other people at the table for some reason. I don't know. I'm... 
There's a story I want to take up that um, doesn't seem as consequential, but in many ways it is. This has to do with Hollywood again, and after that wonderful, touchy-feely, aren't women in charge, powerful, uh, Golden Globes thing the other night. It has now been found out that one of the films that had some contenders in it called All the Money in the World, which is a film about the kidnapping of John Paul Getty's grandson, uh, I believe in like the early 70s, and how the son of a bitch Getty, maybe one of the worst men who ever lived, really didn't even want to, he didn't give a shit if they killed his grandson, actually. So they... There's a movie about it. I infamously, uh, Kevin Spacey played uh, the horrible Getty. And then they had to reshoot when Spacey went down in flames because of sexual charges. Uh, they actually reshot the parts of the movie that he was in and replaced him with uh, Christopher, Christopher Plummer, who then gets nominated for uh, Golden Globe. Here's the information that came out. Mark Wahlberg is in the movie, uh, as is, um, uh, what's her name, uh, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, who, by the way, um, has been nominated uh, a gazillion times herself uh, for all kinds of roles and um, is an extraordinary actress. When they had to reshoot, Ridley Scott, the director, told USA Today that the whole reshoot was extraordinarily inexpensive because we didn't pay. We Everybody agreed to come in and work for free. Scott said, I wouldn't get paid. I refuse to get paid. USA to say, asked him, you didn't pay the anchor, the, uh, the actors more to come in and do it? And Scott said, no, they all came in free. Well, guess what? That isn't true. Guess what? Mark Wahlberg's agent said... Are you kidding me? He ain't doing it for free. So the agent worked out that Mark Wahlberg would be paid one and a half million dollars for reshooting a few scenes so that they would play with now Christopher Plummer and instead of Kevin Spacey. 1.5 million. At the same time, Michelle Williams, who actually had, I think, more lines than Wahlberg, a bigger part, whatever, it turns out she was paid too. So Ridley Scott's full of shit. And it turns out Michelle Williams has the same agency representing her as Wahlberg. 
That agency got Wahlberg one and a half million. You know what she got paid for doing the same amount of work and the same scenes? Listen to this. One thousand dollars. One thousand dollars. There you have it, guys. The white guy gets one and a half mil. The white woman gets $1,000. Seems to me that Hollywood has a lot of work to do. And it's going to take a lot more than showing up in black dresses and wearing buttons. I'll tell you this much. Michelle Williams better get herself a new agent. That is unbelievable. Same agency. They get the guy one and a half mil. They tell her, thousand bucks, Michelle, go ahead and do it. Yep. Oh, this is important. This just in. The poor folks in Rocky River, Ohio. It's a suburb of Cleveland. There's a whole bunch of them can't get their mail. And the reason being that there are apparently flocks of wild turkeys that are terrorizing the mail carriers. Seriously. Uh, the mail carriers cannot get, <laughs> they've been nipped, they've been run out of, you know, they can't. So the people who live in, the, the, the Postal Service has said, I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to come pick your mail up at the post office because we can't subject our, um, our employees to uh, physical injury. Uh the problem has been going on for the last three weeks, and uh, city ordinances do not allow for uh, the turkeys to be uh, dealt with in a, you know, picked up, shot, left up, whatever. So the turkeys win, and uh, so neither snow nor sleet nor rain nor fog will keep these intrepid postal carriers from their appointed rounds. Uh, but wild turkeys, that's another, that's another thing. Oh, yeah, this is an amazing story. Uh, Bob and Braddock uh, is reminding me. Uh, I, I imagine you're aware of the Memphis megachurch pastor named Andy Savage. Yeah... I read it. Okay, this is a guy who 20 years ago was like a youth minister someplace in Texas, I guess. And he uh, he was driving a teenage girl home after something at the church. And he drove right past her street and drove her to a secluded area and essentially raped her. And then he freaked out, he left the car, 
fell onto his hands and his hands and knees wailing oh lord oh lord what have i done please forgive me oh god this moment of weakness whatever he comes back into the car and says you can't tell anybody about this you cannot tell anybody about this oh blah 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 well she did and uh nothing much was said i guess he was sent away and he ended up in Memphis as, uh, 20 years later. He's got a huge megachurch and all this kind of stuff. Uh, she has resurfaced the woman, sent him an email saying, I remember. You remember? Hashtag me too. And what this minister did is he went, proud husband and father of five boys, he went before his thousands of congregants and he told them that he had committed a sexual sin. And do you know what the congregation did? As one, they stood and applauded him. He got a standing ovation. And this points out this problem with these evangelical Christians. It's why the worst information, Roy Moore, whatever, about people, they are always able to slide by. Because Jesus tells you to forgive. And so, I guess by admitting, saying what he'd done, I don't think he told them in any gory detail, they rise as one, showing how Christ-infused they are, willing to forgive him. And you see, the woman who he raped is supposed to forgive him, too, as a good Christian. And when she doesn't forgive him as a good Christian, then she becomes the bad one. The victim becomes the bad one, right? Did I also mention that one of the Roy Moore accusers' house has been burned to the ground? Uh, you know, I, guys, I'm telling you, the reason I'm so pessimistic about this Me Too movement really changing much of anything is because of reality. So don't get all super excited about the stuff you see like at the Golden Globes and Oprah's stirring speech when it comes out the next day that Mark Wahlberg got a one and a half mil and Michelle Williams got a thousand. Okay, there's the problem. That the woman who got raped is the bad one and the minister who raped her gets a standing ovation. We got, I mean, this the work that needs to be done it will take millennia. We have a call. Hello? 
Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, hey, 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 hey. Get, please, get a hold of your whiskers here, sister. Okay, now let's just look at it, okay? Yeah, this sucks. It's all a nightmare. Oh, it's a train wreck. But look at Feinstein releasing the uh, Fusion GPS transcripts, transcripts against uh, supposedly her lifelong uh, stature of procedure following and... And she she wanted, she just this this was against everything, and she that shows Democrat growth. You know, I'm I'm actually back to watching Rachel Maddow on uh, what is that NSB uh, uh, MSNBC. I'm back to watching that. Hey, maybe we needed a wake up call. Just what if we needed a, a wake up call? Um, the fact that um, about a couple years ago. I did a wedding for a, a beautiful gay couple, friends of mine, and at the time, I remember having a conversation uh, where someone was saying, "Well, you know that well, you know this would not be accepted by a lot of people," and I, I was shocked. I said, "What are you talking? About? What?" I was so removed from evidently the reality of all the um, haters. I could not believe anybody would have a problem with same-sex marriages. It was just very foreign to my thought process. Okay? So, in the meantime, I've had a big old wake-up call here. That's, that's the, those are the people that voted for Trump. And um, if the other thing that I need to share with everybody here and you is, decades ago, I remember having a conversation with a beautiful young black man, and he was saying to me, uh, he was talking about Malcolm X, and he was uh, telling me that Malcolm X believed that black Americans needed to go back to Africa was their home. And I, I, and I remember saying to him, hold on, I'll be damned if somebody is going to tell me this isn't my country. Oh, okay, you know, I, I told him, I said, I don't know, I don't know if that's a good way of looking at it, because, no, this is our country. This is ours. This is our country. No one has the right to tell us what we're going to do, how we're going to be, the way they want it. No, absolutely not. I, I just got to say, no, uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn, and it's a big old wake-up call. Okay. I thank you for that. You gotta, thank you. Appreciate it. Put, hey, hey, Lynn, put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Will do. Will do. Bye. And, by the way... They don't have whiskers. Um, well, actually, I do. Caller! Hello. Hello, Lynn. Yeah. You were talking about marijuana earlier. Um, yeah, nobody's ever died from an overdose of it. No. And, and sure, it has health risk, and you might die from it, but so does eating too much red meat and too much sugar. And So I don't know what the big... I, like I said, I don't use it, but... I don't know what the big deal is about it. You know what has, I, you know I, what has, alcohol yeah. you know what has serious life risks? I mean, health risks. Life. Right. Yeah? Life. No, yeah. You always end up dead. I'm sorry. You just end up dead. Uh, but I hear you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. You guys thinking I'm in a really bad mood today, huh? Is that how it's coming across? I guess. 
I didn't think I was in a bad mood. Here's some good news. Federal judge, North Carolina. They told those North Carolinian Republicans, hey, jerk-offs, the, the way you gerrymandered uh, the congressional districts here, it's unconstitutional. How about going back and doing that again? We're hoping for the same kind of uh, decree here in Pennsylvania from a federal court. All this, of course, will end up in front of, God help us, the Supreme Court, where the Chief Justice has already said, well, yeah, the very act of, uh, you know, being able to draw districts uh, is, of course, political. <sighs> I don't know. So anyway, that was a little win. And, uh, you know, a lot of this in the federal judge also uh, temporarily blocking Trump's DACA decision. God bless our judiciary system. But let us remember, as I say that, that the Republicans and Trump are repopulating uh, that very federal judiciary with any conservative, highly conservative creep they can find, whether they've ever been a judge before. As we've seen from some of them, some of the guys they're putting on the federal judiciary don't even, have never seen the inside of a law book. <sighs> and here, of course, you see, I told you, I think, yesterday how um, this Trump deciding that we're going to have oil derricks, gas wells, all around our coastline. He opened up everything that Obama had shut down, um, even more. Literally every piece of coastal land is, uh, has been given over now to the oil companies. And um, this is not a popular decision in most of those states because, well, when you live on an ocean, tourism is often a very big part. And not to mention, when you live on the ocean, you don't like to look out and see an oil rig. So uh, Republicans have been freaking about it, and um, the Republican governor of Florida freaked. And all he had to do was one little rant. And Florida has now been taken off <coughs> the list of of uh, coastal areas that will see uh, oil drilling. It's unbelievable. And this was purely political because you got a lot of elections coming up in the great state of Florida for Senate, for Congress, and for the governorship. And that state is a, you know, purplish state. And so, in order to protect Scott, who wants to be the senator now, because uh, he can't run again for governor, they've taken what would have been a drag on his political fortunes away. Whether they will then do that for other governors uh, remains to be seen, because if they did... Um, all the governors on the West Coast, if they did a similar rant, would get the same reaction from the Interior Secretary Zinke. Because he said local interests and uh, the way that the states are, are reacting to this is going to have standing. 
But I don't think that that's true, since the governors up and down the West Coast are Democrats. So if your state has a Democratic governor, you're going to see oil rigs. You're going to get the, you know, deep water horizon out your window. If you're a Republican, not to worry. We have another call, and we've got, like, next to no time, caller. Go ahead. Hey, I just wanted to point out that I saw the other day that uh, Michael Moore had already purchased, yeah. like, an oil rig. Yeah. And he was going to put he it off of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, well, see, now he ain't going to be able to do it. I saw that, too. I thought it was ingenious. He actually went and bought it. It was. I know. I know. And Can that's you, uh, why they... <laughs> I don't they think that's why. Off the list. Well, I don't think that's why, but damn it. Well, maybe. Uh, what? Yeah, that was th- funny. That will call a whole lot of attention to the situation. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, that was funny. I thought it was funny, but. It was. I bet Michael Moore's frustrated, but also realized it was effective and people did pay attention. Yeah, well, now he's. Okay, start, bye. Bye, bye. Appreciate it. Yeah, now Michael Moore is stuck with a bunch of oil drilling uh, equipment. <laughs> Feel for him. He's probably selling it cheap if you're interested. Okay, we're out of time, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I know I had a hit of steam today, but uh, I, I don't know. It seems like I rattled a lot of people's cages. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> All right, I'm getting out of here. Goodbye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.